Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. The name's Bond. James Bond. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family. Here's Johnny! Whoa, this is heavy. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Working on my day off. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Showtime with Roman podcast, the not-so-feature-length podcast, where I, your host, Roman RBC, brings on a guest uh, weekly, and we chat about our favorite thing in the entire world, movies. Um, This week, I have a pretty special guest, someone that I definitely had in mind when I wanted to start this podcast uh, to get him on early. Uh, kind of set the tone for some of the shows to come, uh, and we won't be talking about uh, movies too much this week, more so music, because he's a big music fan, but Dan Purcell, how's it going, man? Hey, how's everybody doing today? Thank you for having me on, Roman. I really appreciate uh, the kind words, first of all. I, r- I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, and second of all, um, I'm just... Uh, I. I love the stuff that you've been putting out and love the stuff that you're doing. So the fact that uh, we can sit down and have a, a virtual conversation like this uh, is fantastic. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm definitely uh, excited because um, you're into music more uh, than a lot of people I know ever. I've been <laughs> on this earth for 21 years, and I know that you're into music. You've been running groups before. Yes. Um, and uh, you're just someone that just really cherishes the art of that. So we're going to be talking about some of that. For sure. And we're, we're going to be talking about some movies, of course, but mm-hmm. uh, one of the topics centered around a musical icon. Um, and then we're going to have your quick preview for Infinity War in there, because, of course, that's the big deal for the year. Yep. And then uh, a couple other things, and then we'll head out of here. But... Um, so, what you been up to? Been doing anything cool? Doing anything snazzy? Ooh, cool uh. and snazzy. Um, well, uh, I, I there are so many different things that are like happening all at the same time. Um, my current job is I am an assistant at a, a visual effects house in New York City called Smoke and Mirrors, uh, and we're always doing something there. We're uh, if you've if you've uh, been checking out uh tv shows as of late have been on cable and uh network television um we just recently came out with new television spots we did the visual effects and post-production on it for Mm -hmm. dos um nice they have this whole new campaign in where they're like um since they sort of gotten rid of the most interesting man in the world which was which is because the guy who was the most interesting man in the world was like i'm not going to do these commercials anymore um, they did this, they're doing this whole new round of spots in where it's like, um, whenever you're drinking Dos Equis beer, uh, you have to keep your stories interesting like we do. Cause we were like the first beer that was used in the Alamo and we were, we were the only, oh, be- nice. we were the only beer that Abraham Lincoln kept under his top hat or something like that. <laughs> um, oh, that's funny. and then it cuts to those ridiculous scenarios. Um, so that is, that's one of the things that has, has come out as of late, uh, that, the team at smoke and mirrors has been working on. I've been sort of just seeing things come in and go out, uh, as the assistant, I kind of just receive stuff. I'm, and then I'm also the delivery boy. I help, uh, ship the spots off to the respective, uh, network stations that need to go wherever they need to go. Um, 
and work with uh, our broadcasting department on trafficking those spots. Uh, outside of that, um, I try my best to make a lot of videos, at least two videos a week. Um, I'm trying to aim more towards an edutainment style of video making. Like I have a couple of video ideas um, coming up um, in where uh, I'm talking about how musicians can utilize social networks to connect uh, more genuinely and more uh, like the connection like increase increase their connection and their fan base through through social networking and um i'm also i'm also going to do a video pitch like i'm going to pitch a movie uh on video because i'm like the the thought process behind that was like well i don't have the funds or the crew or the cast or the whatever to pitch these movies ideas but i still want to put them out into the world so that um so that they can exist and people can people can hear them and be like oh that could be an interesting idea for a movie so i'm so i'm mm. putting together a video pitch for cool. a movie right now awesome um that sounds super awesome you're a busy dude man you're always you're always working and when you're not working you're always preaching cinema positivity <laughs> yes uh, which is you're yes, trying sir. to sort of reshape and restructure uh the way that we talk about movies and the positive vibes that we should have towards this beautiful art form. Yeah, man. Um, definitely uh, been trying to latch more onto that in recent uh, days, especially. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you're a hard worker, um, and it's awesome that you've been working on all that visual effects stuff uh, with that company. And uh, who'd you get for Abraham Lincoln? Is, did you, like, resurrect Abraham Lincoln? or? <laughs> Did you have to go out and find someone that looked like Daniel Day Lewis? Um, <laughs> it's he's like I think when we got the footage, it was like we we didn't we didn't necessarily shoot the thing, but uh, we uh, there was like a stand-in for like Abraham Lincoln. He is just he just like he was a dude that wore the beard and the top hat and the suit, and it was it's like shot in like sepia tone. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well, when I see that commercial one day, I will be like. Dan assisted with that. Yeah. <laughs> Dan's crew worked on that, and that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So that's the closest connection I'll have to commercial um, popularity. So <laughs> um, we're going to go ahead and move on into the first topic today. Yeah. And one of the biggest films of the year dropped, hopefully, their final trailer, because I feel like they put out a few too many too soon. Yeah. Uh, considering the film is still about a month and a half away. Right. Um, but Jurassic World, uh, the most recent trailer, I actually was going to wait to watch it, but I was like, we really need a popular topic for the week. Right. So, um, I ended up watching it last night, actually, before I went to bed. So it's fresh in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and as a huge fan of Jurassic World and a huge fan of Jurassic Park, um, I've been pretty skeptical of this film for a long time, right. but these last two trailers have really gotten me on board with this sort of condensed science fiction escape room thriller. And that's yeah. the vibe I'm getting where, you know, they're kind of secluded into this tight space and, you know, this whole escape room gimmick has been picking up in recent years. And right. I feel like that's the vibe that they're trying to go for. Plus they actually have a director behind the camera, Jay Bayona, where some of the cinematography has chills going up and down my spine yeah. where I'm like, wow, that is some beautiful visuals. Um, what are your thoughts on the trailer? Yeah. Uh, I, I am not as big of a, a, like a Jurassic world park fan, but I've, but I've seen the original I've, 
and I really appreciated it for what it was and what it was uh, what it was doing as a as a cinematic narrative. Um, I liked the trailer a lot. Uh, it it almost it it's almost like a more claustrophobic version of Jurassic Park, in that uh, they're they're trapped in. And I'll yeah, they're trapped in a space, and they're like with dinosaurs in this escape room kind of scenario. But and also at the same time, I loved the premise of what ha- what would happen if they brought the Jurassic Park into the real world, mm-hmm. like more more real world scenarios, and where dinosaurs are just walking around, people have them. Like I love like there was there's a cool idea that that's in my head of like. What if people just had dinosaurs as pets and like we just had <laughs> yeah. like I mean like we kind of see that in terms of Chris Pratt and his relationship with his with his, uh, his the raptor's name is Blue, right? Yeah. His relationship with Blue, the fact that they kind of like have like a, a mutual respect for each other. I like the notion of there being like a of like dinosaurs being allies, partners or or pets. Um, that that work together um, to fight off and fend fend themselves away from larger dinosaurs. Um, mm-hmm. That concept seems really intriguing. Um, yeah, uh, I again, I not I'm not like a hundred percent into the whole the the depth of all the sequels that have come out for Jurassic Park, but I think it definitely looks like a promising trailer nonetheless. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that piqued my interest the most is because it is kind of giving off this sort of lost worldly vibe. Mm. But what I've been noticing with a lot of these, you know, big time, you know, studio films that are resurrecting old franchises like Star Wars as well, specifically, um, is that they're taking because like this Jurassic World trilogy, because we're going to get a third one, they've already talked about it, is that Jurassic World, the first one, they sort of kind of redefined what Jurassic Park was, but they added a little bit more new to it. They added a a fully realized park where people actually go see it, but it's still generally Jurassic Park. The same plot, the same narrative, similar types of characters. And then Fallen Kingdom is more Lost Worldy now, where, you know, you're bringing dinosaurs off the island into the real world and going to kind of play um, with that and with that dynamic. And that's going to be interesting, but, um, Star Wars was doing the same thing. They kind of restructured and re-envisioned a new hope. They restructured and revisioned empire. Right. And you know, it sounds cool, but I hope a lot of these franchises don't keep going down this path because then that's going to get stale pretty quick. Right. But, um, what I'm noticing is that this is something that we're seeing, I think for the first time in the Jurassic Park franchise is that there's sort of this conversation and this dialogue about, animal rights for dinosaurs and that's a topic that no one would ever really think about and i think that's actually really clever and something that can be really nuanced and layered and have some really interesting uh compelling drama to it uh in a story that's going to be big blockbuster science fiction fun right um and with jeff goldblum in there talking about you know do these animals deserve the same treatment as like a dog or like a cat or like a alligator at a zoo or something and you know i feel like that's something that is going to be some uh tricky water because you know how people get these days right you know um i think that it's going to be a really interesting sort of dynamic in the narrative if they pull it off properly in the way i hope because jay biona um even though i didn't love a monster calls i think that he definitely knows how to play with stuff like that Mm -hmm. with uh real precision Mm -hmm. and so i'm excited to see that yeah Oh, and especially, uh, I mean, the scientific implications of genetic modification and uh, 
even just the creation of those dinosaurs in the first place yeah. was touched upon in in the original Jurassic Park of like is this morally ethical to do such a thing as like try and try and bring back elements of the past that were not necessarily not necessarily the best for humanity <laughs> yeah exactly you know and these are like these were dinosaurs like maybe humans and dinosaurs just aren't meant to exist mm-hmm. on because you know they mentioned that in Jurassic Park and uh, it's one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite movies ever is that you know I just feel like it because the movie is basically about like don't play God right because you're going to cause problems and um, that's reserved for one person and one person only mm-hmm. um, and you know it's just it's a really interesting type of science fiction this Lost World I'm not a fan of Jurassic Park 3 sort of ditched all the things I loved about their Jurassic Park franchise and sure. then it looks like we're gonna I'm I'm excited I'm I'm hopeful and I'm more hopeful than I was a year ago yeah. um, because um, you know I'm not like Jurassic Park is my baby and yeah. <laughs> they keep adding on and keep adding on and uh, so hopefully to be good it looks good um, I'm excited for that I'm also so we'll see how I'm also goes. a fan of Justice Smith everything that he's been doing uh, as yeah, as an actor. Really is really cool. So I'm interested to see how big of a role he's playing in this new one and um, whether or not he gets uh, to shine in terms of some of the moments that he has with his character. Yeah, I, I noticed one of the things in all these trailers, he's actually a part of seemingly a lot of sequences. I mean, he's on the island with Chris Pratt and uh, uh, I always forget her name because she reminds me of Jessica Chastain. Uh, Bryce um, Dallas Howard. Yeah, there we go. So he visits the island with uh, them, and I'm like, wow, yeah. that's really interesting for a new character to be on that type of level so quick. Uh, so hopefully he'll be good. I'm sure he will. He's good in everything. Yeah. Um, so that'll do. Uh, that'll be it, excuse me, for the first topic. Um, moving on to the second topic, this one is a little more uh, music-centered, as the rest of the show will be from this point forward, outside of a few things. Mm-hmm. But um, So the Elton John biopic, uh, Rocket Man, was greenlit by Paramount recently with Taron Egerton uh, starring as Elton John, which is a mm-hmm. very inspired and interesting casting choice because for a long time, Tom Hardy was supposed to be Elton John in uh I think I don't know if it was the same flick uh, right. or the same uh, studio produced film yeah. but um Taron Egerton is going to be playing Elton John in the biopic Rocket Man what are your thoughts on that Well f- the first thing was when when you, when you like proposed that topic I was like really this happened <laughs> <laughs> that like flew completely under my radar and I had no idea but with this whole the whole like revitalization in and Elton John's uh, goodbye tour and all these um yeah. there's like all these tribute albums coming out about him where artists are reinterpreting and recovering his work uh that makes total sense that that they went ahead and they greenlit that stuff because everything is coming up at elton john right now um yep. as for i mean both of the casting choices i mean when you said taron edgerton or tom hardy those are in very, very out of the box inspired casting choices for uh, that for such a, a an icon of music. Um, yeah. It something something that I remember though uh, seeing in in some of the discussion forums that we're both in is that there was a there was a thing that was posted recently where it was like, um, 
usually the most out of the box and people that you wouldn't expect uh, to be cast as roles in specific films succeed on on a greater level than one would even expect to happen um so i am up for the notion that of taron edgerton uh taking on the role of Elton John. Um, and I bet, uh, I mean, Elton John's not going away anytime soon, so he's going to have a ton of input in regards to how he is portrayed on the screen. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know I don't know a ton about Elton John outside of his music, so I think, I think a, a biopic, it's high time for a biopic of Elton John just because he's, such a fascinating individual and he's he's been uh an incredible writer and musician that's uh, that's lasted through the decades and an, and an incredible yeah. advocate for the lgbtq community as well yeah exactly and i think that you know it just seems like a perfectly timed movie yeah you mentioned his good uh goodbye tour uh, which i'm reading about right here on screen rant and um you know it just seems like a perfectly timed movie and I mean, it's kind of weird that Elton John was also in Kingsman: The Golden Circle with Taron Egerton. Oh, right. Um, That's right. So it, it, maybe um, them working together on that film, Taron was like, "I want to take this role because it's being directed uh, by Dexter Fletcher, who directed the severely underrated Eddie the Eagle, mm. um, with Hugh Jackman and Taron Egerton in that as well." I meant to see that. Um, <laughs> and it, it's it's a really uh, you know. It's by the numbers origins, uh, not an origin story, excuse me, a uh, sports film. Yeah. But honestly, like it's about something that's not told about enough, like um, skiing. Yeah. And uh, ski jumping. And I think that it was really fascinating. And Jackman and Egerton are amazing. And um, I'm just super excited to see what Egerton can bring to the table because he, not only is he amazing in the Kingsman films, but he's just sort of. Uh, delivered one of my favorite characters in recent memory, and I think that he's someone that's ripe for breaking out of this shell and really becoming a huge star. Maybe not mm-hmm. to the likes of like a Ryan Gosling, or maybe not to the likes of a Tom Hardy, who was going to be um, Elton John, but instead is playing Al Capone, but in another film. But you know, I just think that it's a really inspired casting choice, and I think that it's someone that can probably deliver because you know elton john is flamboyant he's got he dresses crazy and wacky and it has a lot of fun on stage and i feel like taron could channel that um especially with having been on set with elton before yeah in certain scenes so i'm excited to see what goes down because you know i'm not a huge elton john fan but man he makes some damn good music rocket man uh the stuff he did for lion king it's just He's incredible. Um, any other music uh, from him that you love specifically that I didn't mention? Um, there's uh, there's tons. There's Benny and the Jets, Goodbye Yellow Brick oh. Road, uh, Candle in the Wind. Uh, basically, basically the majority of I I, I for for the longest time um, I, when I was a kid I would I would listen. My mother would put on the light rock station all the time mm-hmm. in the car. So I would hear Elton John and Billy Joel constantly, and I would get them yeah. confused because yeah. they sounded nearly similar when they were younger. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also just because of the manner in which they 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 sing their songs, they're very they're very storytelling based artists that like g- legitimately write out these full on narratives in their music, um, and that's what makes them especially compelling is the the idea that they they hook you in with with not only great lyrical imagery, but uh, just beautiful narratives of people and ideas. Yeah, 
Exactly. And, you know, that's one of the things I noticed, especially as a kid. Um, I remember countless times I would fall asleep to Can You Feel the Love Tonight because it's just a, just a beautiful song. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully that song uh, is resurrected again in the Lion King CGI remake. Um, oh, my so. goodness. Yeah. So, like, the, the music <laughs> of Elton John is going to live on again through through this uh, through this new uh, res- resurrected reboot of, of The Lion King, too. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so timely. So timely. So he's a hot commodity right now in uh, the movie sphere, and uh, hopefully that movie turns out all right. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to move on to a segment I like to call personal movie questions because the main basis of my show is I just want to bring on a guest, uh, a new guest, uh, week after week, uh, just to kind of, you know, learn more about what makes us love the certain art forms yeah. specifically movies because it's movie based and how it connects with us on a deeply personal level and yeah. um the films that people make the music that people create uh the dir- the writers that write and stuff like that and so since i know that you're a big music fan dan i had to make the three questions for the personal movie questions segment uh music based That's so great. we're going to talk about one of my favorite parts of film um, it's one of the last things that's done most of the time. Uh, but who is your favorite film composer? Um, John Williams is a given. Yeah. So we, I obviously in the notes when I sent them to you was like, okay, we obviously know who number one is. Yeah. But um, that's like that's like the be univer- universally beloved one. That's like yeah, it's like number zero on everybody's list. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Which is so who's one your- story. I was watching uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade last night it was on the paramount network and um williams just does a great job at underscoring stuff and and yeah. cycling in themes and motives and it's just oh uh. yeah he's so good <laughs> so he's good. so good yeah i know um w- w- the other day um someone put on the sci-fi channel in the break room and sci-fi has been doing uh the superman movies mm. because they have krypton um, right. on their network and Man, the score for that movie, the first Superman movie, it's every time I think about what are the best scores ever, I always throw in, you know, Star Wars, obviously. I've been throwing in a lot of uh, more recent films as well, especially Phantom Thread. And, but John Williams' Superman th- score, not just the theme, but the entire score throughout the entire film, is one of the most immaculate pieces of work I've ever heard. Yeah. It is through and through just beautiful and incredible and he just understands um how to complement a film so well because to me scoring a film has always been like mustard on a hot dog if you're not a mustard person ketchup right it's just (laughs) ketchup complements the hot dog is it required not necessarily but it really complements it if done right and the right amount the right dosage and uh he just does that so perfectly yeah um especially the indie franchise. So outside of John Williams, who is your favorite film composer uh, this day and age? Um, if you'd asked me a few years ago, it would have been Hans Zimmer, hands down. Um, yeah. Just because just because I was a huge Nolan fan like four or five years ago. Um, and that was like that was like when I was in film school and trying just discovering the possibilities of what you can do on film. Um because I, I don't know, the, their collaboration is really, really supreme, really supremely uh, solid. Uh, you know that Zimmer is going to deliver uh, a, a great work. Um, that sounds like 
both a sounds like both a really compelling score and also a really interesting fascinating uh work of modern experimental pop music um everything everything in the soundtracks that he writes and the scores that he writes is super modern in terms of how it's produced and and shaped in the studio um so he does an excellent job of uh he does an excellent job of making a record in addition to making a soundtrack. Um, but I think nowadays it's Thomas Newman. Uh, Interesting. Just because uh, I, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like I've softened a bit and I like need more like peaceful, serene and emotional uh, stirring music to sort yeah. of guide me through my life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And Thomas Newman is really good at that. Um, I have to point out uh, the Finding Nemo score. Oh man, it's one of what a score. it's it's one of the mo- it's one of the strongest uh, musical works um, in in this day and age. Just because it just it's it it captures the right emotional weight that's necessary for a narrative of between a father and a son. Um, yep. It I I think family when it when it place and so the fact that it has me think it already in that mindset um when when you go into a a movie like finding nemo or finding dory um that he he does a great job he does a great job of capturing that through uh his orchestrations and then also his his work as a as a piano player yeah i'm Finding Nemo is still one of my favorite pixar films yeah and his score for that is just incredible i mean every time i watch that movie i feel like you have to watch it on a really big screen in a completely dark room because you just feel like you're engulfed in the ocean yeah and the music just really enhances that intimate relationship uh between the father and son and you know it's an extraordinary movie and the music is so exquisite and um hans zimmer would probably still be my favorite too Mm -hmm. um just because i feel like he just like john williams not maybe to the same caliber he just understands what it's like to sort of capture just the emotion the the visuals through sound and i feel like a lot of the times you know especially this day and age i know we've both said that like five or six times already but this day and age i feel like a lot of people listen to the music without the context of the film and i feel like that's not really fair to the music because to me, the most important part of a cinematic score is that listening to it after knowing the context, knowing the visuals that are partnered with that score, I'm like, it just enhances the music. Whenever I, you know, even though a lot of people aren't a big fan of the movie, Batman v Superman score for me from Hans Zimmer is every time I listen to it, I just feel the sort of operatic, dramatic, and tragic score. And whenever I listen to it, I think of certain visuals of Superman flying towards Doomsday, uh, Bruce falling down the pit, right. um, Bruce's parents being killed. And I feel like um, sometimes a lot of the scores, when you don't have those visuals partnered with that, can lose a lot of the magic and a lot of the touch. Right. And, um, and, and the score is something I don't even really pay attention to until my second viewing because you're mainly focused on the visuals first and foremost um, because film is a visual medium. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you don't realize until afterwards how much the music really enhances a scene. Um, like every time I watch Wonder Woman and listen to that score, I'm forgetting the composer's name off the top of my head, but um, that No Man's Land sequence is so triumphant and so incredible. And um, yeah. I just 
think film composers these days, like um, one of them that's recently jumped into my top three after Isle of Dogs, Alexander Desplat. He, oh, yeah. he is someone I feel doesn't get enough credit and he's in like everything. Yeah. He's scoring a lot of stuff. He's not like Michael Giacchino who's literally scoring everything. <laughs> but um, Alexander Desplat, man, he like Hans Zimmer, like John Williams, um, he did the score for Shape of Water. Ooh, he yeah. just knows how to score a film. It is so, so good. Um, Johnny Greenwood recently for Phantom Thread and You Were Never Really Here mm-hmm. just knocks my socks off. Yeah. He could score anything, and I feel like he'd do a tremendous job. He just understands that art form so well. And music for me, um, I don't love it on the same level as a lot of other people. As I don't love it on the same level as movies or video games, mm-hmm. but man, um, I don't know what I would do without music, especially scores, because a lot of the times that's all I'm listening to is film scores, yeah. not even just regular soundtracks um, with music from the biggest uh, songwriter this day and age. Yeah. Um, oh, one just popped into my head. Um, I was just going to say, Desplat also did a couple Harry Potters. I don't remember which ones, but yep. he did a couple Harry Potters. Yep, that um, too. But I can't be remiss if we don't bring up Howard Shore. <laughs> oh, abs- oh my gosh, yes. How do we not even mention Howard literally, Shore? Um, literally the literally the uh the arc the musical architect for Middle Earth. Um, yeah. It's uh it's extraordinary, man. That that movie that trilogy, uh not only is it my favorite trilogy in all of film, but his music in that, um I saw a video from Nerd Writer and he was talking about uh, the score in that and how it you know, just complements the visuals and everything you right. see in Middle Earth. And if you haven't seen that video, I definitely recommend it because he, the way that Howard Shore uses certain segments from other key themes, mm-hmm. like uh, the, the uniting of the Fellowship and how he uh, integrates that into the breaking of the Fellowship. Yep. And it's like, wow. It's, vi- like, it's really <laughs> cool. The inversions, of, the inversions of the themes and being able to take a motive and 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 utilize it in a specific way to evoke a specific mood is is so critical um yep. and even even then the main motives of all the different all the different characters and settings they evoke specific uh specific larger conceptual ideas uh when it comes to mind like how i said how the finding nemo theme evokes the feeling of family um mm-hmm. whenever i hear the hobbit theme i'm always like friendship that is exactly yeah. That, yeah, like, that's, that's that's friendship in my my brain. That's yeah. like how like the best musical representation of just being with your friends. Yeah, exactly. Like that's every time when I go in for a handshake, I just hear that song every time. <laughs> it's so it's so elegant and it's a piece of music I put on whenever I'm just feeling just chilled and I just want to relax and I just want to uh, you know, just sit down and chill. And that's the song I use. And because I just feel like it just, it's so peaceful because the town of Hobbiton is just this quiet, peaceful place. You know, people are happy. People live on their own. They fend for themselves and all this stuff. They don't rely on a sort of government or witches and wizards and stuff like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And it's just people. And, I, I, you know, it's honestly, it's one of the only tracks that can bring a tear to my eye just sitting there listening to it yeah. because it's just so elegant. Yeah. It's so incredible. Um. So that'll do that for that uh, portion of this segment. But moving on to a slightly broader question. Um, what is your favorite movie soundtrack and what is the best song in that track? All right. Here we go. <laughs> um, this one, 
it's gonna be a little out of left field, but at the same time, it 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 uh, I think it makes I think it'll make sense. And it's also very timely, um, because we are we yesterday was the second anniversary of his passing, um, but mm. it is the seminal album from the 1984 movie Purple Rain by Prince. Okay. Um, and that entire musical work you like go through it track by track and it is it is a near perfect album if if not if not perfect um it is it is just beautifully constructed and it 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 tonally reflects uh prince's mentality spirituality sexuality it's it is fully about his his intent and his life story Loosely, but at the same time, uh, the the movie itself was sort of based on on Prince's life story, uh, and it's just, man, it like every every song is a knockout, and it's it's very of its time, but it's also it's also completely timeless. Um, yeah, um, Jimi Hendrix was somebody that for a long time I did not get. <laughs> um i was like his music's good but it just doesn't connect with me on the same level as a led zeppelin did or yeah. an acdc yeah. or a rush or um uh van halen they just he was because he was from that era yeah and um but his music never connected with me but my dad was a huge fan a lot of my friends were huge fans and now whenever i'm driving to work listening to the radio station they're always playing Jimi hendrix and when he had passed recently he was all over the radio and then i started realizing what an incredible musician what an incredible artist um his music is just so he just taps into like your soul man like i just every time i listen to it i just feel like my soul is being tapped into and talked to by this musician and Mm. he's Great artist, great artist. I mean, I can't believe for a long period of time I just did not get it, but H- now I get it. Hendrix or Prince? Um, oh, Prince. Sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was I was I was confused I, for a second. Ah, <laughs> I always do that, but no. Okay. Good. The same thing applies though for Prince. Yes, as it did for Hendrix. I was like, I was like, literally he, the same he thing. He died but... a long time ago. <laughs> okay. So we're just going to okay, <laughs> kind of restart here. Not restart because literally the same thing applies because I felt the same thing towards both musicians. Yeah. But yes, my dad is a humongous fan of Prince. And when uh, they had him come back on or when they did that tribute to him uh, during the Super Bowl, which is a great moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, Prince. There we go. I don't know why I thought Hendrix. <laughs> But no, the same thing applies. Literally the exact same thing. So everything I said still applies, but I'm talking about Prince specifically. Yes, yeah. Um <laughs> Well, that'll do it. See, this is why I brought you on, Dan. I can trust in you to educate me on my mistakes. Oh, it's, it's no problem. It's a, it's, a, it's a very honest mistake. Sometimes you're just like, mm, yeah, mm, yeah. You know, uh, you know, apples. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well clock that in as um one of my most embarrassing moments yeah. ever um mistaking two huge uh musical icons <laughs> well you know it's fitting because he was also very he was also a very very proficient and masterful guitar player like like yeah. hendrix was 
So I, I mean, it's they're both of their time, and then they also have that timeless appeal to them. That matters. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, but my favorite song off of the Purple Rain album is actually a song that doesn't come to mind usually. It's not Purple Rain. It's not Let's Go Crazy. It's not um, what? What are some of the other ones? Uh, when Doves Cry or what? what those oh, are so all good. all those all those hits. Not that it's it's I Would Die for You. Um, the it 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 comes at the very end of the movie. Um, and it's towards the end of the soundtrack as well, but the drama in that song and the, I mean, it's, it's speaking on a, on a, uh, on a deeper universal level. Um, that's essentially saying, uh, I, it's, 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 it's regardless of who, who you think me to be, I will, I will be your friend. I will die for you. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's 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 almost if it's like it's like it's got those very like melancholic lyrics, but at the same time, it's it's really reassuring and and joyous and celebratory. Um, mm-hmm. And I I love it a lot. I love it so much. And it would like instantly, I was just like, this is this is it. This is this yeah. is the this is. If there's a song. If there's a song that's that that people should gravitate towards on that album that isn't one of the hits it's i would die for you interesting yeah it's a really good pick um and you talked about um melancholy for a second there and that sort of is would represent my pick for favorite movie soundtrack as well and Mm. that would be inside lewin davis um yeah that track i i mean that track just blows me away every time uh, every time I listen to every single song in that track, um, once I start one, I have to listen to all of them. Mm-hmm. And um, it's to me, you mentioned this sort of melancholy tone, but it also has like strokes of like joyousness and happiness. And mm-hmm. you know that movie does take place during the folk setting um, in the villages uh, way back when in the '60s. Yep. And um, it's a genre of music I did not know I loved until I watched Inside Lewin Davis because it to me it just captures everything i love about music and how it can tell those stories how it can sort of evoke certain emotions and how it can be happy but you know there's a lot of there's songs about life and mm-hmm. you know the the things that you go through in life and how life is just this long journey and um you know you have your obstacles in your way but sometimes you know music will, will be able to get you through that and um that best song on that track is man i I bounce back and forth, but Hang Me and um, I'm forgetting the other name. I'm forgetting the name again. I'm really botching names today, man. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Um, but the other song he sings with his buddy um, that he loses, I forget the name. But Hang Me, I would just say right now, is probably with a favorite off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, it's Oscar Isaac. Not only is he just an incredible artist, but... He sings all of them, most of them anyways. And, you know, even though it has these melancholy tracks about, you know, losing um, his loved one because, you know, there's, I feel like there's a lot of subtext in the film that would imply that he is bisexual Mm -hmm. and had this really great relationship with his partner. And um, when John Goodman's character starts talking 
bad about him and stuff like that. You can sort of feel the pain in uh, Oscar Isaac's emotions right. and the character's emotions. And um, it's just a absolutely incredible film. It's one of my favorite films ever, too. And But that track specifically is... It just taps into everything I love about music. And that track would be Fairly Well. That's yeah. the other one. Uh, that's... That one is incredible, and I remember when I had uh, had my girl. I wanted my girlfriend to watch it because I was like super high on the film, and I was right. like, "You need to watch it because it's a film that I just feel like talks to me and speaks to me on so many levels." Yeah. And she says that whenever we listen to that those songs in the car when we're driving together, she just feels like this relaxed, somber, sort of sad tone because you feel the pain yeah. in Lewin Davis, and it's one of the best tracks. Ever. And you know the um, the the, the... The very inspired choice to bring on Marcus Mumford to help out with the soundtrack yeah. was really, really important. Um, Mumford and Sons ended up being like one of those bands that, like, late in my high school, early college, that I got really hooked into. Um, and he, they have like these. What's so great about that 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 soundtrack and the music of Mumford and Sons is that it's it's very Shakespearean in in yeah. in lyrical structure. Um, and like very like, I don't know, playful and that and mirthful. Um, but at the same time, the instrumentation of the guitars and the way that the harmonies are constructed, make it, make it melancholic. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a lot that, and that's a lot of, that's a lot of the music of Mumford and Sons that, that, uh, sort of, um, is prevalent, uh, from, from their more well-known works. And yeah. also, it's prevalent on uh, on Inside Lewin Davis a lot. Um, I actually really like I really like the one the one song uh, that they all sing together a cappella called um, the Old Triangle. It's like an oh my gosh, that song smacks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. So yeah, dude. The Old Triangle it doinks. Yeah, yeah. it doinks. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember my brother hadn't even seen the film at this point, but he's a huge music fan. Um, and he's a guitar player as well. I wish he would play more because he's really good. But um, I had put on that song because I was like, I had just seen the film and I was like, dude, you have to listen to the song real quick. So I just sat him down. I said, listen to this track. And I picked all triangle and he was, he started almost crying. He was like, dude, I feel so many emotions. Like it's just a, ah, that movie. I think I need to watch that movie today now to me. Yeah. To me, what's so great about that is that, uh, I, I come from a, I come from a very like long steeped background and experience in contemporary acapella um yeah in where everybody's like making noises based making noises and and music based on w- trying to imitate instruments yeah um but the one of the, th- the most important things that i've learned through my experience with acapella is that there is no stronger musical instrument than that of the human voice because mm-hmm. it provides an instant uh strong super strong uh humanistic connection with the audience um yeah. so if you have like three people just three or four people singing in three four part harmony um it's more it's it's more affecting than any other kind of instrument just because everybody can connect with it yeah exactly i feel like if i could pick any one talent it'd be singing and mm-hmm because it's just so it's so incredible when people can just connect with you through through their voice. It's versatile. It's, it's the most versatile yeah. instrument 
uh, I think that we have. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, moving on to the last portion of this segment, what is your favorite song that debuted in a film? For example, My Heart Will Go On in James Cameron's I, uh, relevant figure right now in Hollywood. Yes. Uh, Titanic. <laughs> Yo, I'm, 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 I'm super interested. I saw that thing where it was like, we're going to, we're going to, where, where James Cameron was like, all the Avatar series is going to be a multi-generational Godfather series. The, and I was like, yeah, all right. If that's, if that's the yeah. way you're pitching it, then okay. I, I'm, do, yeah. Do, I'd be interested Andy's in that. Andy's talking about <laughs> less Avengers, more sci-fi. Yeah. It's like, we already getting that. <laughs> like, <laughs> sci-fi is like at its peak right now. I would say. Yeah. Uh, James Cameron is just he. You know, he him being invested in this Avatar world has shut him off from reality. I feel like. True. Because uh, his comments on Wonder Woman and his comments on other things are just a little uh, little off kilter. Little off kilter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little out of touch um, with reality there, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. um Back yes. to though uh, favorite song that debuted in the film. Uh, mine, as of late, and it's a very recent entry because uh, I don't know. I I haven't I haven't been to I haven't been to many movies. I usually watch them a lot at home. Um, yeah. I just because I I haven't had the time, and then before then haven't had really had the chance to get the finances together for it. Uh, but most recently, I think one of the big songs that uh i was like pulled into when it debuted in a movie like something that hooked me into the narrative of the song fully um was the song up from sing street oh dude yeah because that... before that point in the movie uh you're sitting there and you're like oh this is like a little cheeky little movie about some kids who are trying to form a band and and like they're they're like they're like trying to be like fake eighties, like trying to do the riddle of the bottle and all that yeah. stuff. And I'm oh, like, man, all right, so I, I I see where they're going with this movie. It's, it's okay. I'm like, okay, I'm kind of on board. But then like the moment that they start workshopping that song, like he, yeah. him and uh, Connor and the, the guitarist, I forget his name. Mm-hmm. Um, they start workshopping the song. They start writing it out, and like they're like, "Oh, here's the idea. Let's do this. Let's do." It. And then like, "Okay, okay, let's play it out. See if it works." And then like they start playing it. He's playing it, and it's, it's great. Like the guitar is great, and then the piano. Like the the dude hits the piano chords, and it's like this beautiful like yeah. um, dissonant textural chords on on that song. And I'm just like, "Oh, we're presenting complex musical ideas in this." Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What is hap- what is going to happen next? And then yeah. Then I started paying attention to the lyrics, started paying attention, started getting drawn more in with uh with with Connor's interests with with mm-hmm. with uh Connor and Rafina and getting Rafina getting that tape, listening to that tape and just feeling this like overwhelming sense of emotion when she's playing the tape and just being like she's like like it's like a it's it's a moment of gravitas and reality and I'm just like yes this is what this is what listening to music is always like to me <laughs> yeah and I'm yeah, just like uh... that was that was the moment where I knew I knew for a fact that when that that sing street was something a lot more uh a uh, had a lot more depth and 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 weight to it than just some 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 kids trying to put together a, a fake 80s band to impress a girl. Yeah. Um that movie is 
one of the most amazing coming of age stories in recent memory. Mm-hmm. And I just think like it is the music and that song, as soon as he starts working with his buddy, I was like, my entire perception of this film has changed. Yeah. And now I just feel Connor's emotions in his music because again, they were just, they were trying to represent the eighties cause he was a huge fan of Duran Duran and they loved American music videos. Cause that's when they started coming out more and more. And yeah. Duran Duran was changing the game and, um, it's it's an amazing film. I remember sitting down and watching that with my dad and saying, Dad, you grew up in the 80s and the 70s. You're going to love this movie. And he goes, I don't know about that. And at the end, he was crying. And I was like, yes, you. it's it's an amazing film. And the music in that is great. It's one of the soundtracks that I love listening to on a daily basis. All the tracks in that film are amazing. But um, Up might be my favorite one. Um, but it's, it's right there with Brown Shoes. It's right there with... Mm-hmm. Um, Forgetting the name of the song, uh, but the car one. Oh, drive it like you stole it. Yes, there we go. Drive it like you stole it. It's obviously the most popular one. Yeah. But uh, I also I also really enjoy to, to find you. I think people oh, people yeah. don't people, like it comes at the end of the movie, so it's like it's like people are people are like already sort of like it's winding down, but then then that song comes on and you're just like ooh. That's great yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the music is so good. Um, I love listening uh, to the music in that film. It's tremendous. Um, my pick, personally, um, this might be a cliched pick, but honestly, Adele's Skyfall. Oh, not might at all. Be, yeah, I. It's one of the most powerful pieces of music I've ever heard. Every time I hear that song, I'm like, this is what changed my perception of what music can be in film. Well, um, I, I, like I like I hear that I hear that song and I'm like, this is exactly the kind of drama that should be coming out of a James Bond song. Yeah, it's like absolutely, ugh. totally agree. It's um, that is the last movie I think I saw where I sat in the lower concourse of the theater on an opening night, mm-hmm. and because I love sitting in the middle towards uh, the top of it more. Yeah, but so. Sitting there, my only field of view was literally the entire screen. There, my entire I couldn't see literally anything else. Yeah, and the visuals paired with the music during that sequence—one of the most amazing mm-hmm. James Bond uh, credit sequences ever—paired mm-hmm. um, with the music is one of the most um, uh, unreal experiences ever. I felt like I was not in the theater. I felt like I was out of this world, man. Yeah. Um, and that song is tremendous. And Adele is one of the most talented singers in the world. Um, and she's great, and that song is great, and it's probably my favorite James Bond track. Even though I love "You Know My Name" uh, from Casino Royale, mm-hmm. um, so good. Rest in peace, Chris Cornell. But yeah, uh, yeah, man, that would be my pick. What's spec? What's so spectacular about uh the more recent tracks that have come from James Bond movies is that they all sort of center around that drama and require voices of such caliber to present that. Um, what's really good, yeah, Adele, Adele was a perfect choice for, for, for Skyfall, and then the most recent one, um, where Sam Smith did hit, did Writings on the Wall, um, those are both, like, that, that, that immediately evokes this romanticized feeling of spy action. Yeah. Just the way, the way that everything is structured in those songs, and, like, the way that it builds and falls off and it just flows very effortless effortlessly like a like a uh, a spy thriller like that yeah th- those are what come to mind absolutely 
Um, I, I just love uh, those songs. I cannot wait to see what we get in Bond 25. Yeah, with Danny Boyle. So. Um, that'll do, uh, that'll do it for that segment of the show. Um, but now we're going to just go into a quick preview for you for Infinity (laughs) War. I already gave my preview last week for the big two hour and 42 minute long Avengers Infinity War special. Yeah. (laughs) So what's your quick preview for Infinity War? I know you're not a big superhero guy, but we got to get your thoughts. Right. Biggest movie of the year. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So he, he, here's my here's my two cents on on superhero movies in general because like I used to be huge on them, I used to be mm-hmm. huge on them like that was like what I lived for, like I was so excited when 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 uh when we were in that age of like just starting out with with the the superhero craze when we had Dark Knight, Iron Man, Incredible Hulk all in a row and it's just like oh we're finally getting into a renaissance of superhero movies, uh and uh. I think I think the only reason why uh, I think the only reason why I've sort of fallen off uh, in 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 years years recent is just because I I think I bought into the hype behind it a little too much uh, mm-hmm. and I ended up coming out spurned yeah. as a result. Uh, so I think one of the best things that ever happened. Uh, for my movie going experience was me deliberately avoiding all of the marketing material for the last Jedi and then going in and having no expectation as to what's going to happen and being like, okay, I'm excited for this movie. Thrill me, whatever, whatever ends up happening, just thrill me. And I, me being blown away by the quality of filmmaking present in that movie. So, so that is my, that is my preview for infinity war is that like I've seen, I've seen (laughs) the, I've seen the advert, some of the advertising materials. I love the usage of the Avengers theme in the trailers because they haven't done that ever. And this is the first, like, this is the first uh, Avengers based uh, marketing material and where it's being used constantly. And I'm just like, this is like, this is what Star Wars was in terms of like, you use these themes to be like, okay, you're watching a promo about the Avengers. Um, Mm -hmm. We haven't gotten that, and I'm just I'm glad that I'm glad that they that Marvel's finally embraced that, and they've embraced their strong musical heritage uh, in terms of like the, the the themes that they've constructed for all the heroes and stuff. Yeah. Um. But I am going in as even tempered as humanly possible, and it's very because yeah. so I'm because so I haven't like I haven't like speculated on who's gonna die. I haven't speculated on who's got the Soul Stone. I haven't speculated on where Hawkeye is. Uh, yeah. I haven't, I, I haven't really bought into the hype, so I'm, I'm, and, and, uh, so I'm just, I'm, like, stoked to go in and just not have any expectation whatsoever, um, because I did, I also did that recently with Black Panther, and Black Panther was, like, the bomb.com. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I, it's just, yeah, that is my, that is my, like, guys, it's a movie, go in with as even even tempered expectations as you possibly can because if if you don't it will surely let you down in certain areas like without a doubt if like just like keep yourself as even tempered and like keep your expectations as as low as you possibly can i know you're excited but like just chill yeah we we got this it's Um, gonna be good it's gonna be good 
You know, uh, and you know me with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So when uh, the lights dim and the final trailer plays and I hear the door shut, I'm just going to let out a huge sigh of relief and just be like, okay, we're here. Yeah. Let's see what the next two hours and 40 minutes do. Yeah. And that'll be it. And then uh, we'll see where we go from there. Um, I was going to do the rant or rave segment, but we did run a little long today. So we're just going to skip right over that. Okay. And we're going to go into the last segment of the day. We have to get the game. Okay. We always got to get to the game. Got to get the game. Um, so you read the notes. Um, but just to kind of recap for anyone new that might be listening, uh, it's the ABCs of movies. Yes. Uh, one minute to pick a movie that starts with the letter of the alphabet starting from A and going down to Z. It is doable. I have seen someone do it. Um, one minute to pick a movie. Okay. So um, we'll come with a couple of the rules because all games come with rules. Um, the name of the movie must start with the letter of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. For example, The Greatest Showman only qualifies for T, T not, not G. G. Okay. And then franchises, uh, the letter of the franchise begins with counts, but you have to say which film in that franchise. Harry Potter doesn't count. Gotcha. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets does. Okay, cool. Um, you can't skip a letter, and the record is Mikey and I tied with 15. Okay. Okay, so we uh, got stuck up on Q. So if you make it past Q, you have the new record. Q. Uh, oh, um, <laughs> um so I'm going to give you just a moment. Let me know when you're ready. I'm going to count down from three. And when I say go is when I start the timer, and you have 60 seconds. Okay? All right. So let me know when you're ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to wing it and see what happens. Okay. All right. And three, two, one, go. A, Alvin and the Chipmunks. B, Batman. C, um, mm, 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 mm. No. <laughs> ah! Oh, my brain. My brain just farted. Oh, no. Uh, Captain America Civil War. D, Daredevil. E, uh... Yeah. Oh, man. Why? Why aren't there more movies with E? Uh, uh, e. Oh. No. Uh... No, uh, if no, <laughs> oh man, I am so bad at this. <laughs> e edge of seventeen, does that count? Yes. Okay. Uh, F. Uh, oh, 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 oh my gosh. Oh man, I, I'm time. I've ruined this. Oh man, you got five. Wow. Five. It's okay. Um, it's a lot of pressure. It is because, like, you think about it, and um, it's just like, what does start with E? E was a tough one for me when I did it. Uh, I eventually went with Ender's Game. Ender's Game. Uh, uh, and then F, I went with Fast and Furious, I think. That, uh, uh, okay. But um, or Fargo, one of those two. But um, I would say the key for the game for next time when I have you on, because I will have you on again in the future. Uh, short movie titles. Short. Got to try and think of think of the quick short movie titles, and you can't waste a second. Yeah. yeah uh, maybe like one or two, but um, otherwise uh, it's gonna be difficult. So we're on week three of the game, and no one has broken fifteen or gotten a Z yet. So, <laughs> um, well, thank you for playing. Um, and when I have you on again next time, you'll probably end up getting A to Z quick. 
I uh, hope so. so uh, yeah. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta think harder of like what I, what I need to come up with. <laughs> yeah. Um. See, the best one for C is cars. Cars. Boom. Yeah. Right off. Right off the top. Cars. Um. So that'll do it for today's show. Um. We're here at an hour. Um. You know what? I've always tried to shoot for forty-five minutes, but man, it is more difficult than I thought because. You know, just getting into these in-depth discussions yeah. with guests is just so fun, and I just lose track of time and talking about our favorite thing in the entire world. And um, that's one of the beauties of this medium, and one of the beauties of all mediums, and the way that we perceive art and film uh, specifically is that you know it just taps into what makes us tick, yep. what makes us grow, what makes us learn as human beings. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so great to have you on, Dan. You're such uh, an inspired person and you're such an inspiring person and you're uh you have a really you're really articulate too um i didn't realize how truly articulate you were until you were talking about some of the music in there um and talking about uh prince not Jimi hendrix but uh <laughs> <laughs> um thank still you can't believe i did that but uh where can uh you be found on social media you already kind of talked about with what content you're creating but are you creating any content on social media this day and age thank you i i very deeply appreciate uh your very kind words about that that like that thank you um yeah of course you're welcome uh content oh how i dread that word content um i i, I like to call i i am i'm currently writing a concept about this about about the word content and how how I, my relationship with it and how i kind of learned not to like it but that's Weird. besides the point I'd like to read that. um you can find me anywhere uh at the D Purcell, P-U-R-C-E-L-L, um, per, like, P-U-R, as, like, a cat, cell as in cell in your body. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is my Instagram. That is my Twitter handle. Um, and if you, uh, uh, that is Snapchat, well, all that stuff. Uh, and if you type in Dan Purcell on YouTube, I'm probably one of the first few people that show up uh, because it, it just... Uh, I, there are not a lot of there are not a lot of damper cells on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're one, you're one, uh, one of a kind. That's the phrase <laughs> I was looking for. I'm, I'm, I'm amongst, I'm amongst five of a kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to check out that article, especially. Uh, it will be talking about content. It will be a video. It will be like it'll be like okay. a film. There we go. Okay, sweet. So uh, definitely have to check that out because I've recently been asking a lot of new team members at work because we just got a lot of new people hired, uh, asking them what type of content do they create? What type of things do they like to do? But I'm interested to see your take on that's, content. That, that's, it. that's kind of why I want to do it because I'm just like content is too it, broad. It, content is too broad of a term. It's too disposable of a term. Informing it's kind us, of like, like love. Yeah. Well, like, well, yes. Yeah, there, needs to be, there needs to be better reasoning for using that word. Yeah, because I had a long discussion with my friend about love and how maybe um, love should just be more of selflessness. Like, I have selflessness, and that's why I love you, because I'm able to take time out of my day to appreciate you and buy things for you and spend my money on you, because I'm selfless. Right. And love is a really broad term. I don't want to get too philosophical or too psychological here, (laughs) because we do have to go, but uh, that's basically the basis of that conversation yes and um, th- it's a very similar conversation with the term content with the term creator with the term youtuber all that kind of stuff interesting yeah i'm definitely excited to check that out because you're a smart dude i'm definitely excited so um and as a content creator myself uh but um 
yeah, uh, thank you guys for listening today. Thank you once again, Dan, for being on. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much um, for having me. Sorry about the delay. I know that uh, my computer likes to act up all the time. Totally But But um, thank you guys for listening once again. You can find me on social media, at RBCRoman on Twitter, RomanRBC on YouTube. And uh, my one big thing uh, before we go, uh, just preach positivity. Um, you know, when you're – if you get – too personal with film uh you can have some bad outcomes and you can uh hurt some people along the way um so dan since you're here you're preaching that cinema positivity all the time hashtag cinema positivity 2018 on twitter on facebook wherever and just preach uh the most amazing and most beautiful aspects of this medium of art um and just keep uh keep on watching movies keep going to the movies and uh i love you guys thank you for listening and have a wonderful rest of your evening, day, night, whatever time period you're listening this listening to this podcast at. Peace, love, one. and positivity, y'all. Peace, love, and positivity. <laughs>